hidden behind closed doors. This is Bear Me Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Jason, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to discuss AIP's 1968 Wild in the Streets. Michael, what are you going to be drinking today? We are drinking Confuzzled from Celador Ales. It's a wild ale with mango, guava, and pineapple. Ah, delicious. Isn't that nice? Deep. Oh. This is a sponsored Celador. Oh, that, the smell of it is like so lovely. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Celador, it's in, they call it North Hills. I mean, it's Los Angeles, but yep. it's in the North Hills area. It's right off 405. Like, it's a small little place. They do wild ales. They use as much you know fresh fruit as they can. I love wild ales. I kind of love that funkiness. I know sometimes the wild ales can be a little tricky for you. Yes. I thought for two things. We're doing wild in the streets. It's a wild ale. And then confuzzled, when I was there, I was looking. They said, hey, what, what do you want? And I was kind of looking at the different ones, and I saw something called confuzzled. There's a, people get confused. First of all, people are on acid a lot. LSD. <laughs> It can make you a little confused. <laughs> so I thought this would work. And I thought, you know, as a wild ale, this is the first time I've had it. The pineapples right there, there's a little bit of that earthiness and funkiness you get in wild ales. I love that. Like my wild ale, my limit is when all of a sudden you get more of that funky barnyard. And I, yeah. oh, I'm all over but this that. this is fruity and sweet. There's individuals in our lives who, you know, not big beer fans, but... People who like alcohol and they like hard seltzers or wine, good wild ale that tastes like this is well recommend because this would suit them. This is delicious. And at the same time... So well made. In in the beer nerd world, this is some beer nerd stuff. Like oh, I, yeah. I've had people who are into wines and, yeah. and I'll give them something along this the line of the wild ales and they'll go, that's beer nerd beer. Yeah. And I go, absolutely. On the tip of your tongue, you get that sourness. It's not Sour Patch Kid sourness, but it's approaching that. <laughs> yeah, which, which I appreciate because, yeah, I mean, I'll enjoy, you know, something that's really tart. I like tart more than sweet. This is great. And uh, they sponsored us. So thank you so much, Celador. Thank you, Celador. We had them on. They did a collaboration with McLeod, the Stellar Cellar. That's, that's right. going way back. Way back. You. I think it was the house that the house that screamed. And I will say that it was a sour IPA, and I remember because I've been really harsh on sour IPAs. That was the first sour IPA that I liked, and that's no baloney. Oh. This is great though. Confuzzled, yeah. excellent mango, guava, pineapple, six point two percent. So not crazy. They have some that get way up there, and you got to be careful because then you're just like the characters in this movie. They're whacked out <laughs> on goofballs. So this is your choice. Yes. Defend yourself. Right, so well, this and is clearly what? a beep. First of all. Clearly, why? AIP. Oh, okay. um, you could have stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Arkoff and James Nicholson, uh, James Nicholson, the founders of AIP, they produced it. $700,000 budget shot in 15 days. AIP was like, we're going to cash in on counterculture exploitation movies and teen exploitation movies. So, I mean, this lines right up there with those. It is interesting because it it was nominated for Best Editing. It's an oddly shot movie where you have vignettes of your characters, then you have newscasts, Mm -hmm. then you have music videos. And they do that thing, the French New Wave, where you will have edits where it will be a freeze frame. You'll have a scene, you'll have a shot, and it'll freeze frame for a second or two, and then go to the next shot. Oddly, the house that screamed. That has that, too. 
part of the editing process that I think works. You have some split screen. It's so done nicely. It's different. You see it now. You look back and you go, it's a very 60s yeah. way of editing. You know, you have original songs, which are interesting. Some better than others. It came out in May of 68. A lot of things were happening in the country in 68. It's definitely a counterculture movie. It was based on a short story by Robert Thom, who also wrote the screenplay called The Day It All Happened, Baby. Question, do you think it's Thom or Tom, Robert Tom? Well, you know, who was um, what's the actor in The Messiah of Evil? <laughs> And did it, was it his character name like Thom as well? I think it's. I would say Tom. I, I don't. I don't. Otherwise, I would like I, as, Thom. As and it much just as sounds I, weird, it sounds much, like a barbarian name. Well, <laughs> I just, Thom. I, from, I, I just don't take my pronunciations from Messiah of Evil necessarily. <laughs> like, like that's my no. reference. No. Anyway, it has Hal Holbrook, Shelley Winters, Richard Pryor, Christopher Early. Jones. And Richard Pryor does it's it's a small role, but he has just these little moments where he has looks, just yeah. wonderful bits of acting. And Diane Varsi, oh, who yeah. she left Hollywood early. Her first role was in Peyton Place. She was nominated for an Academy Award. I only mention her because it's really sad. She suffered a traumatic cervical spine injury on this shooting that kind of plagued her going forward. And then she got Lyme disease in 1977, and she died young. Yeah. It was sad. When I was doing research, I came across that. Every time I watched the movie after I found that out, I kept looking, where did that ha- might have happened? The fountain scene. I think it was the might have been the fountain what? scene. Yeah. And then Hal Holbrook, this was his second movie. He was a TV actor to this point. Made this movie. I mean, I know from like the Mark Twain album that my dad <laughs> that he listened to. Mark Twain in the Fog, bud. Where I grew up on the Mississippi, because of course he's yeah. Mark Twain. The Mark of the Twain. He would come through all the time. And it was like he was always somewhere in the area doing so. He was going to sit down and just do, I'm Mark Twain kind of thing. And I just always remember thinking, I wonder what, what would happen if somebody else said, I'm going to do Mark Twain. Like they, they would <laughs> slap him. Just people like would slap his son. Yeah, like, like Kelsey Grammer shows up. He's like, I'm Mark Twain. And people would just be like, pitch words. Like, you are not. Hal Holbrook was here last week and he was fine. He liked my chicken fried steak. <laughs> and Christopher Jones, who you mentioned, you're like, that guy looks like James Dean. And then when I read into him, it was like, the reason he came to Hollywood is someone says, you look like James Dean. He does very much a James Dean. He's also someone in this movie who left Hollywood. The thing is, is he looks like him, but then he, he does a couple of bits that are just straight James Dean yeah. imitations. And he yeah. also has a weird ponytail that looks like pictures of uh, drawings of Sam Adams I've seen. Paul Revere. Because, <laughs> yes, because there is is a revolutionary vibe to this, the character arc for his character. It's revolutionary, but it's also kind of a rise of fascism. So this is interesting because it, it was released in May of 68. You know, because this movie is about voting rights. Like in a brief summary, it's about a pop idol who slowly rises to the level of presidency and becomes the person that he was fighting against, or does he really become the person that he really was meant to become? See, because in 68, the voting age was still 21. It wasn't until 1970 with Oregon versus Mitchell that lowered the presidential minimum voting age to 18. And 1971, with the 26th Amendment, lowering local and state election minimum voting age to 18. I'm going to disagree with you, though. I don't think this movie is about voting rights as much as it, it, it's about the idea of that strive for power. Oh, well, no, no. And, and I'm just pointing out that the idea was that the whole the plot is driven by, like, let's lower the voting rights to age 
14. Yeah. And you have a person who's very much on the counterculture move side who rises to power. My question is, does he become the person that he's always hated or does he become the person that he always really was? The origin story for this character happens with some of that freeze scene that I talked about, the freezing of the images. It's a little sequence that starts the movie off. First of all, spoiler alert. Yes, there you go. (laughs) We have fireworks going on, and we have a voiceover of Shelley Winters, who plays Max Frost's parent. Is the last name pronounced Flotso? I think it's Flatso. 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 And her and her husband are having a discussion basically about sex. Where she's saying, I never, I don't want to have a baby. I never wanted a baby. My mom said I might die if I have a baby. And he's like, hey, honey, and basically come to bed. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to touch you. And then, and there's fireworks going on. She doesn't so, want a boy specifically. Yeah. And then all of a sudden shows a birth announcement. And it's April 4th. Now, if you go nine months back, that's July 4th. And that's why the fireworks go- going on. Yes. And, so he's conceived on the 4th of July. Yeah. He yeah. has the ponytail like a yeah. founding father. He's a revolutionary. Oh, there's all hints that he's meant to be like, a revolutionary. A little o- overt, but at the same time, it works. And that child-parent relationship between Shelley Winters it's as disturbing. a parent, It is. Montages of him growing up. And, and she's horrible. And the husband is weak. It's the classic, you know, overbearing wife, beat-down husband. And, and she just wants to control everything. In fact, later on, there's a scene, you realize it's very much a I Love Lucy, even though it's 68, where the husband and wife have two separate beds in their room. But you see Max grow up. It's funny because you see Greg Brady like in a yeah. unaccredited role playing Max. But you see him grow up. And I think the reason why they have this mom character is that there's one time where he bonds with his dad where he says, like, hey, can we take over all this plastic items on our furniture and everything like that? That's like, yeah, let's do it. And well, the- And he says, who pays for it? Whose house is it? Whose money? And so they do it. They have a party. They're like, yeah, we're pulling the plastic off the cur- the furniture. And the mom comes home, flips out, and slaps them both. And that's very jarring. It shows what type of parent this is. It also gives you insight. If Max is raised by this type of parent, what type of person is he really? Because then we jump ahead. He's about to leave home. And he's making LSD in his basement. And bombs. Yeah. And he's bo- he's <laughs> not dying. And she she comes out and she's not slapping him around. No. She's like, because he's older. He's now, he's now... It's almost... He's now Chris Jones. It Now it's almost like attracted to him. Exactly. It's, it's not very as much a mom and his, flirty. Yeah. It's a little uncomfortable. And he's just saying, this is LSD. I'll give you the mom discount. Yeah. And she picks up dynamite and he goes, I'm going to blow up the old man's Chrysler with that. And she goes, oh, your teacher says you could be chemist. You could be whatever. You're so great. Oh, you're so silly. And walks away. And then he ends up trashing the house. And writing on a mirror, mama, pop. Screw off me <laughs> and blows his dad's Chrysler. I, I gotta say, did somebody at Chrysler tick someone off? It's interesting because he goes after his dad's something that's important to his dad, even though in the, that montage, his dad's the only person you think really cares about him. But yeah. at the same time, his dad didn't stick up for no, him. Exactly. And, and also, I think Max, it's that idea of, yeah, you were nice to me, but you're also weak. And so, as a bully, because Max ends up, he's a bully, he is. he's like the weak deserve even more scorn than the mean mom because at least you're strong and so he goes out into the world as a adult with an explosion and a batch of lsd and then we get the credits and the first song because like we said this movie 
is about the music too. My wife really enjoys this music too. She likes late sixties rock and this and, and i do too there are there's just and i'm gonna say yeah. it i'm just gonna get it out of the way yeah. is that i the, the one issue there are a couple songs that are weak and, and i feel like aip yeah. at one point they said hey we need another song yeah. and they're like we don't have another song yeah. so they kind of made it up i felt like instead of trying to make a band sound if you know what i mean what they did was they kind of looked at the top 40 at the time and they went well okay what's kind of popular so it's like this collection of songs yeah. so it doesn't sound like Throughout, there's no thread that makes you think this is an actual band. It's like, here's the protest song. Here's a groovy song. Here's, you know, the birds. You know, here's the rascals. So that that would be the only thing I would say. That so, husband and wife duel wrote most of the songs. Lex, Les Baxter wrote some um, some of the music. Shape it, of Things to Come yeah, is like a song I've known. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and it, I had but, no idea it came from this movie because target ran it as an ad a while like at least a decade ago. but no some of the songs are quite cool and i'm i'm a fan too especially like there's a lot of great i mean that was a that was a high time for yeah. music man that was a high watermark for american music and then michael were introduced to max frost and who is he really <laughs> because he's, he's, we get a rundown of what he has his assets dude this is where max as his counterculture guy almost at this point you realize is kind of a bunch of baloney because he's hugely popular. He's got 14 interlocking companies, multi-millionaire after taxes, a leader of men, pause, and little girls. There are a couple of things yeah. in this. that This this movie has a thread. There, there is some stuff that's kind of disturbing, and that's one of them. Yeah. It's not a leader of men and women. It's little girls. And some of the people around him, he has Sally, who's 24, but he also has... Fuji Ellie, who's yes. 14, Jap Japanese, heir to a typewriter fortune. Billy Cage, who's 15. And Billy Cage throughout, there's references, allusions that, that he's homosexual. And the yeah. hook, a guy who has a hook for yeah. hand, at one point, he's the trumpeter. At one point, I swear he's to God. He's playing the bass guitar, right? They have the hook, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the only reason, he, like, that's Joey Bishop's son. Just FYI, it was kind of a strange. That's <laughs> funny. And then Richard Pryor is Stanley X yeah. of, because, of course, he's yeah. got to be. He's an author, anthropologist, and there's a couple of things, and this is one of them. He wrote the Aborigine Cookbook, yeah. and there is on a regular basis. Paul Frees, unaccredited, does the voiceover. Now, I associate Paul Frees with Disney. Because he is the ghost host in Haunted Mansion. I grew up next to Anaheim with Disney a lot. And his voice is so distinct. So every time I hear his voice in this movie, I, I, I'm like kind of a little pulled out. There's this discussion between pop icons who people worship still today. We've always had pop yeah, icons. Of course. People worship. And I think you build into who, you, because of the music they play, who that person is. And really, you see right off, Max Frost is a wealthy elite who has really young people females hanging around with him highly inappropriate he's living a decadent lifestyle yes there's yeah. drugs all over his place he's in the mountain references above everybody looking over the basin of la his next song the 52 percent. he's on stage and he says hey we're, you know we're being you know led by all these people but dig this i just read this 52% of the population is 25, 25 or, or younger. And that's actually true. That's that was a, true. That, that's a true thing. So he In 68, that was... And that Johnny was. Fergus is pushing for this 18, that which was a progressive yeah. deal. He's, he's definitely pushed as Johnny Fergus is supposed to be like a Kennedy type. I mean, his he, haircut, the haircut is, like is Robert, Robert, Ken yeah, Robert exactly. Kennedy. I got to say, he does this 52% 
song. It's a weak song. But that's when he gets spotted by his mom. Apparently had no contact with him. This he no. left home, dude. And that's he it. completely trashed their house and yeah. blew up a car. And my guess is he's not, not keeping in touch with these folks. And one, his mom, Shelly Winters, remarkable job, and also like still really attractive this time. She sees this not as an opportunity to basically rebond with her son. Her first action is, "Oh, we're going to be rich. We're going to ride she the said, coattails." She says. I'm a celebrity. And so she there's this montage of her getting facial, her hair done, her husband's going to get a toupee. You didn't catch this. And and it's because they do. That's one of the editing things I think got them a nomination. It was a triple screenshot. Triple screenshot of her. She's getting her hair done and stuff. People are asking her favors cuz she's saying Max Frost is my son. Yeah, so she's dropping his name course, already. Oh yeah. Exactly. She not interested in her yeah. son. She's, she's interested in a superficial person. Horribly shallow. I kept focusing on the numbers cuz I'm like 52% and then I looked and you're like 68. Yeah. 52 and then as of now 30%. Right. And this was telling so, because the Tet offensive took place in Vietnam in January of 68. And so we were sending men off to Vietnam who still couldn't legally vote for president. At 18, well, you could be and drafted. And now people worry about the drinking age. It's yeah. like, hey, if you, should, if you can go die, you should be able to buy a beer. Back then, it was, if, if you can go die for your country, you should be able to vote. And I like that. That makes sense. Let's just she says, I'm a celebrity. Yeah. Because that's still reflective of our current times, too, where it's not about what you do. It's just about, I'm a celebrity. I'm related to someone who's famous. Therefore, being famous in itself, is something worthy to strive for. Her character... Which is, is something, honestly, we... I don't want to get into it, but it's something we see all too much today. A celebrity is a position. You're not a rock star. You're just a celebrity. There's nothing else attached to it. And that's to, why this to movie me, is such a good social-political commentary because it's still some of the stuff still holds true today. Even though it was meant to be like, hey, we're just going to try to cash in on youth culture and make a really easy movie but i thought it was really good shot so, oh absolutely shelly so, winters in her little blue nighty in that one scene i just have to say she's still very uh, you at this point i got winters. a crush on shelly winters i'm gonna I like, razz oh. you i am gonna razz you for that <laughs> anyway so four, we get to the next song 14 and fight that's actually a catchy song it is just listen to the music music one again though it's one of those like oh that sounds like Another song on, the, on yeah. the top 40. I, at first I was making lists like, oh, this sounds like Wilson Pickett. This sounds yeah. like The Doors. This sounds like Which the is animals. not a bad thing. Yeah. And in dating myself, it's like a K-Tel album. You know <laughs> what I mean? You remember K-Tel? It'd just be, you'd buy it and it'd yeah. just have a bunch of the songs of, that were yeah. hot that day. The, top 10 hits the, from 1968. The you know, here's the police and the motels and whatnot. You know, but but yeah. he's And this is where I noticed that ponytail where he has, it's like the Founding Fathers yeah. That was not a thing. They did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. Because that was not a thing that you see if you look back at the 60s. You did not see just that weird little ponytail. He is starting this revolution. And his mom, meanwhile, is bullying her way, knocking her way in front of people, cutting in line, screaming, I'm his mother. She has to get backstage. She's just really being awful. John Fergus, who's running for senator for California, he's 37 years old. Max Frost is saying... He wants to lower the voting age 18. He's like 18, 14. That's right. And they make it really clear, 37 is old. He asked Billy, how old are you? Because Billy is a genius. 15-year-old genius. He does his taxes. He was, you know, 186 IQ yeah. and plays guitar. And he says, I don't want to live past 30. And I think this is where they're making fun of the youth culture. Because I remember when I was 13, I thought, 
I didn't think about growing old or anything. I thought I was going to live forever. As someone who's far older than 30, I'm like, well, I hope I live a little longer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I guess on my end, I've never one of those people who was, you know, when I was, you know, 15 or 20 or whatever, going, you know, you're old, yeah. you stupid Yo, old man. man. Yeah, it was, I, I was never like that. For whatever reason, I just kind of, it was what it was. I'm like, we're all going that route. You know, I think that was my attitude was can't really bag on someone who's 40. Also, I think a lot of times I found myself, you know, hanging out with people who are older than me. So I didn't really think of somebody as 30 or 40. And I knew... That's the route I'm going. And also what they're doing is just shoving everything down. We're going to go lower, lower, lower. At what point? It becomes like an absurd point. So his mom is going to push her way into the front of the concert. Screaming, hitting people with her purse. Ditched her husband. Peter Tork from the Monkees is in that scene. A lot of unincredited people (laughs) show up in this movie. (laughs) He's coming down with his groovy groovy group. His entourage. Yes. I thought of that TV show. Yes. (laughs) The the, the band. The band. They're all walking down being cool. And she's screaming for him. And and he says, no, it's cool. It's all cool. And and this is a huge mistake. And this, in some ways, I think, kickstarts a lot of what happens. Shelley Winters is awesome. There's something about this, and this kind of character shows up in a lot of movies or something and stuff. And it just angers me to no end. He has a Rolls Royce. She just starts screaming, I want to drive, I want to drive. It's a Rolls Royce. I can drive, I can drive. And she forces herself into the driver's seat, and she's driving and driving poorly, and she ends up running over a kid. We're pretty sure she kills him. Yes. And Max picks the kid up, and the kid is clearly breathing, but he's supposed to be dead. And he just looks at her, and and he says, you know, and he tells Billy, I think, you know, get her a lawyer and get her out of here. And he says, I don't ever want to see you again. You'd kill God if you could. You're terrible. I hate you, basically. Very James Dean-like scene. It was, you know, you're tearing me apart. You know, it was. It was absolutely, absolutely that. So he finally meets johnny fergus there's a line there where fergus's son he has three children the oldest son jimmy and then two younger children you mean johnny has a jimmy yeah they're at uh, fergus's rally max is gonna they're gonna sing and he says your dad is groovy yeah and he's like (laughs) he's more famous than jesus once again leading this whole idea that pop icons are so important well and and there's also at that time it was john lennon got into huge hot water because and he didn't say we're bigger than jesus he said you know people act like you know we're we're the biggest thing like we're bigger than jesus yeah. or something and they take and that his that quote fried. out of context all yeah, the time absolutely and that's why that's in this movie I mean, yeah that's, oh that's absolutely so and so, so he goes out he's supposed to be supporting johnny fergus who's got this wildly progressive idea and he goes out on stage addresses his troops again it's very telling his followers his fans are not fans he calls them troops throughout again something to keep in mind as this progresses. Didn't Mariah Carey refer to her fans as like lambs? I am not your go-to. <laughs> I'm just saying when you... No, but I, I honestly, I'm not your go-to resource for Ma- Mariah Carey <laughs> trivia. <laughs> I'm really not. So he goes out and what's great is, is, he, is he talks about, he goes, oh, Johnny Fergus is cool and he wants to go to 18. He's like, but the kid who does my taxes, 15, he's smarter than anybody. He goes, you know, it's got to be 14. And he goes, I've been working on this weird thing today. And he's like, I don't even know if I know all the words. And then he starts the 14 and fight song, which the band knows. Everybody knows really well. And even the crowd starts singing along for this song he just was jerking around with today. I was a little confused. Sort of like this beer called Confuzzled. (laughs) That's a great time to bring in the beer. (laughs) Cheers.
Uh, I mean, confuzzled from Celador. The mango, the guava, the pineapple. When I opened this and I smelled it, immediately the pineapple. The combination mag- naturally conditioned with local orange blossom honey. Everything they do is in these oak barrels. They let me walk around the brewery. I'm just thinking, what's in those barrels? Yeah. There's something beautiful that's going to be coming out of there. It's such a treat. It's a very mellow, chill vibe at this place. And when they're saying that, it's a blend of spelt saison and simple. They have two different beers, and okay. they blend them. So blending is like a, just like wines. You just have like wine, wine blends. When you think of blending, you're just yeah. like, ooh, we pour these two things yeah. in. There's like a little more to it if you're doing it seriously. It's- and I think that if you were doing a blind taste and you poured this for someone, unless you were a beer nerd like <laughs> us, yeah. I think most people would drink this and say, oh, is that a sparkling wine or is that a... I think a lot of people would not go beer. And that's why Wild L's are so great because yeah. they're, they're an option for people who are like, oh, that beery hops taste. I don't like beer because of hops. And Jane can't stand beer. Every beer. I had a barrel-aged stout one time and she smelled it. She said, that smells like garbage. <laughs> but she digs some of these weird, funky Wild yeah. Ales. It's, it's delicious. I'm a fan. Oh, yeah. Thank absolutely. you, guys. And then after his 14 fight, he instructs his troops, go to the strip. You know where the strip is? I'm thinking Sunset oh, Strip. The right? reference because yeah, it's in 66, there was huge riots on yeah. Sunset Strip. So he's telling everybody, go to the strip on Saturday. He's groping for power. Yes, absolutely. And, and this guy isn't about like, hey, let's just get rid of everything in free love. Yeah. There's there's power, and he's starting to relish this idea of power. So he's yeah. telling everybody, go to the strip on Saturday. So at this point, Max Frost has created quite the kerfuffle. And so there is a request from the political machine in California to have a meeting. The bosses. Between, yeah. Senator Albright and Bigley Jr.'s uh, yep. dad. And he's going to want to meet with Fergus and Max Frost to see if we can come up with some sort of deal. Albright walks out basically this meeting saying this is dangerous nonsense. Fergus, do you you know, do you know who you're aligning with? Like this is going to snowball on you. And then later on you see the Fergus household and Jimmy says, Hey mom, do you think I should be able to vote? She's like, I trust your dad. This movie has this docu-drama kind of feel to it, where all of a sudden you have newscasts. Every once in a while you have people like Walter Winchell and yeah. Dick Clark doing newscasts. You have someone reporting from California saying, it's been 48, minus 48 hours. Apparently Max Frost has a meeting with Fergus. This meeting may be another... Munich Agreement. The Munich Agreement was 1938 between Germany, England, France, and Italy, where they said, hey, Germany... You can have Czechoslovakia. Peasement. So, Neville no, Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. They gave Czechoslovakia. So he, they're referring to this relationship between Fergus happen. and Frost saying Fergus is basically going to appease Frost by. And Fergus does because he says like, what can't we get 15 and ready and no violence and protest? So they go back and forth. Fergus, interesting, shakes Max Frost's hand says, hey, I'm sticking my career on you, Max. That is an example of when you make a deal with the devil. You think that you're smarter and you don't realize you're not. You're so clever. Yeah. I just got over on the devil and everyone goes, dude, that's the devil. And you see this montage of these teenagers. You have Paul Fries doing the voiceover, Mr. Disney again, where there's just crowds on the scene. And clearly those are 
there are actual news footage of the Sunset Sunset Strip riots. Yeah, a large amount of the city is paralyzed, and, and then I, I find this great as someone who grew up in Orange County, California, because these reports like there has been victims of this. There's three OC matrons who have died of heart attacks. <laughs> I know while watching this. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly who they're fighting against, and they're making fun of people because at that time, or, or LA has always been very progressive democratic and orange County has always been red and republican and i'm using those colors as we see them now they're using that because orange county was this bastion of conservativeness at this time we're like some oc matrons have died by watching this outrageous footage of these teens and max frost is kind of holding california hostage and eventually the u.s hostage he's by got these the power because of his troops it's power. Or as Mariah Carey would say, her lamb. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> but Fergus is talking with his son. Jimmy calls the mayor a bastard, and he gets slapped for his troubles. What okay. do you think of the Fergus character, Johnny Fergus? Is he just as bad as Max? I don't think so. Max's end goal is destruction and chaos. Basically, he went from the basement making acid and bombs to blow up his dad's Chrysler. And I think he just keeps looking for new Chryslers to blow up. I agree. It's the lives of the people around him. They always make sure to say, Sally was a child actor. Yeah. I have no idea why, but they keep, every time they mention her, it's Sally Leroy, child actor. And even nowadays, we joke about the trouble that childhood actors... And Grant, it's, it's we, true. we always hear the extremes version. Ron Howard is the exception. Yeah. Well, well most, Dean, Dean Stockwell, before he passed away, was the exception, too. I mean, Which there's... Jimmy turns into <laughs> Dean Stockwell. J- Jimmy the son, because he leaves. He, he's like, F you, I'm out of here. And after he gets slapped, and he runs away, and he wants to join up. At one point, when this is going on, uh, Max is, he's always laying around. His posse yeah. is always laying around, and somebody calls him a sellout, and he says, I'm a king. And to me, that's very telling. All this trouble all over California, Max flies around with Johnny and tells the troops, like, hey, chill out, be cool. Max's outfit changes a bit because he's wearing this long black leather jacket, which is very reminiscent of what the Nazis wore. There is a fascist element to what goes on here. At that point, California holds a special session. The state is being held hostage by these teens, and they lower the voting age. In other states, all Max has to do is mention protests, and other states start acquiescing to lowering the voting age. And so Max and Fergus show up together, and they're saying, like, please, you know, vote for Johnny Fergus is a vote for you. You should go home. And the teens start dispersing because, you're right, it's a domino effect. But this is just... One step in now Max Frost's plan because what happens next? Well, Jimmy comes in, gets caught sneaking into Max's compound. Way too long of a scene. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> no, it, it really is. But he says, hey, this senator died. Yeah, yeah. My dad hates you, by the way. He's going to get elected and he hates you guys and he's going to turn on you guys. And he said, this guy died. There's going to be a special election. None of us are old enough. Oh, you know what? You Sally. 25. 25. Years old. Sally's old enough. She's cute as hell, by the way. Yeah. If you're putting like in a time capsule, the Southern California. I think of the woman, Beach Boy song. It's just absolutely she's perfect. Yeah, she's great. So they're like, we're gonna run her. She of course wins. Absolutely. And there's one point Max is wearing his scarf like an armband, which again is like yeah. reminiscent of certain like fascist movie. A lot of ascots in this movie, my friend. You are an ascot <laughs> man. I know what I'm. 
I know what I'm getting you for Christmas now. <laughs> to me, the 52% and fifty-two percent song is a little weak. The Sally Leroy song... It's a weak. It's, it's a throwaway. Sauce. It's, yeah. it, it, uh, that's the one I feel like they said, we need one more song. And they're like, we got nothing. And they're just watching me. They went, oh, well, Sally Leroy. Let's. Yeah. It reminds me of In the Summertime by um, Mungo Jerry a little bit. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> She's elected. She addresses Congress. She's wearing like one of those admiral hats. It's the admiral sailing hat from the old timey days. Maybe they just thought, oh, it's cool. I went revolution. Exactly. She's showing up. They're doing that for a reason. And she's great because she just, she's like, hey. So high. Oh my God. She's higher than. Either she's acting that way or she's really high. Boy, she is just, she is where we all want to be. All these old white men just looking at her with disdain. And she goes, I just want to say we want to lower the voting age for a representative to 14. For Senator. Senator 14, President 14, everybody up in the balcony, they're all her friends, and they're just yelling and screaming. And they're chanting, amend, amend, because you'd have to amend the Constitution. And that. this is when things go from just like, hey, peaceful protest, to getting pretty serious. Because now it's 40 days, as the news, as the news report says, and I think it's Walter Winchell, he says, 40 days and 40 nights of teens pouring into D.C., shouting, amend, amend, amend. And it gets violent in 12 troops yeah. are killed and it's interesting because kent state took place in the 70s and this uh-huh. this is an example of where this movie is kind of a small microcosm mirror to what was going on at the time and of course we have max frost singing the song from this movie that actually it was a hit it's a song top, i know top the charts or charted the tops you you did say charted the tops before I was tired and, and before we were even drinking cheers buddy cheers because yeah I mean, you're tired and... Oh, this beer is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm digging this. Celador, guys, thank you. Because uh, Confuzzled, I'm not confused at all about this beer. It's it's amazing. It's just got the pineapple. It's very simple. What color is that? Mauve? You know, I'm old school. I would say pink, but my kids would come in here and they would say, Oh, Dad, that's not pink. That is mauve. There's, or... a, there's a pinkish hue. <laughs> yeah, There's pinkish a pinkish hue. hue. <laughs> yeah. I, I could be oh, like yeah. sipping this in a hammock. We'd just be... Talking some crap about some movie we saw. Yeah. <laughs> Having Wild in the Street sound- soundtrack playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like prosciutto wrapped melon with this would be great. So No, but Shape of Things to Come. And it's it's very dark. He's dressed in like all black because it's a mourning song. Yeah. But it's also the Jim Morrison. He's, he's it's, crying. It's the Doors song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's what this one is. Great song and a great video for no, this movie. It really is. It, it's it's fantastic and it is kind of intense. It's like bunch it reminds of, me of Paint It Black. Bunch of kids got killed, and so Jimmy meets his dad, and this is when Jimmy Fergus transforms into <laughs> Dean Stockwell. His hair is this is like whoosh. Looks like Dean Stockwell in, in the Dunwich Horror. He does. He totally does. And he's telling his, they're having this meeting, and he's was, telling, was, wasn't that an AIP production as well? Absolutely, hundred percent, and probably it's on our list somewhere. That will that, I like that movie. It's a great movie. We're gonna do it at some point. But his dad is part of the alcoholic generation. Yeah. Johnny goes on a bender, yeah. goes home, starts tearing posters off the wall, and telling his daughter, you know, you're just gonna be Winnie the Pooh, and was it Little Women? Little Women. Little women, he's screaming drunk. Damn, little women, like, it's awesome. And so Max, he's trying to, you know, he's they need the votes, you know, make the amendment 
Two thirds. Yeah, the, the constitutional amendment, and it's telling because he's lay he's laying around at his palatial estate, and he says, "Hey, troops, war council." He calls a war council. He refers to his followers as troops and his entourage as a war council. I mean, people should not be throwing their love and he's got something their sneaky faith going behind on. this person. Yeah, he's not who you think he no. is. And the ideas are really telling about these guys because they said, how do we get these votes? They start with blackmail, raid the FBI and CIA, and assassination. I mean, it's very dark. Point. It's horribly dark. And, and you're watching these people, you're supposed to believe like these are our flower culture, flower, flower children, power, and, and you know, make going, love, not war. Yeah. And he even says at one point, I don't want any violence. Yeah. I'm not about violence. Yeah. You blew up your dad's Chrysler and trash your, you know, you are. He's about power. I don't even know if it's about power. I think it's the dark night. Some men just want to see the world burn. He doesn't really want to sit up He's like Hammer. Vic Morrow. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm fantastic. So, but they end up, well, we're just going to spike the water with LSD. Now, this was a thing. In the 60s. It was either people who said, we're going to spike the water supply with LSD, or the authorities going, we're, we're, fluoride we're, <laughs> we're worried about people spiking the water supply with LSD. Well, these guys do it. I have no idea how it would work, but <laughs> they just take these jugs of LSD and toss them into the river. Yeah, they're either on the Warner Brothers backlot or Universal Studios backlot. Just-, just throw it. Not, not into like huge water like, tanks where people are they look like moonshine jugs full just, of LSD. It is. It's moonshine <laughs> jugs into the river. And they tell all their followers, don't drink coffee, don't drink tea, don't drink anything unless you can pop open the can. Exactly. Because the idea is all these senators are going to be tripping balls and they have young people guiding them in to vote. Johnny Fergus shows up at Congress and he's like, just tripping. And he's like, ah, oh, no, this is terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. And they all vote. They lower the voting age, and this is a big change in the movie because now Max Frost is going to run for president. And he's all over the cover of Newsweek. The Republicans get Max to run, which they I go, think is strange. It's interesting because it goes back and forth. He's like, Democrats, yeah. Republicans. And then he asks you know, Stanley X, and he just goes, Republican, man. He runs as a Republican. He wins. He totally wins. And then they track down his mom, who's just terrible. And she's she's like, maybe I'll be an ambassador to like one of those Latin countries, or I'll go the to Court the, of Saint James. The Court of Saint James. I don't know. Didn't look it up. Is it interesting that she went from being a complete LSD therapy like hippie? We're all said she does look like your Orange County conservative mom. At that point, when all of a sudden he's running for I think Republican. that's telling. I, I, I think do, we, I do. We, they're going to find her. we got to get her sorted out. Keep yeah. her on the drugs, but make her look presentable. They ask her about the falling out. She said, there was no falling out with me and my son. Maybe a lover's quarrel. Very weird. It's very awkward. Why? And, but that's the dialogue they chose. They said lover's I, quarrel. I know. I think you have Max Frost's mom in this movie. And did that make aw- you uncomfortable? It did. Her mom, <laughs> Shelley Winters, plays an awful character. And I think it's there for you the whole time because you there's no depth to Max Frost's character. You're rooting for him like as, like, oh, he is going to be the savior for the youth movement. But you have to think, his mom's an awful person. She raised him. There has to be something. And he hates his dad yeah. because his mom beat anger and hatred for kind yeah. people. 
because his dad was a kind person. And I, I think they're trying I to say... I hate kind people. That he's just like his mom. Yeah. You just can't see it. Because his dad was a reserved, quiet person. Yeah. What he got from his dad was to be quiet. What he got w- from his mom was to be destructive. Yeah, to be superficial. Yep. That's just power and hatred. And he got glory. hatred from his mom. Yeah. That's- so Max goes <laughs> to President Michael, and he does the State of the Union address. He's telling everybody how it's going to be. Johnny Fergus, he's a Robert Kennedy character, and he tries to assassinate. He pulls a gun out, and he's going to shoot Max Frost, and he gets caught. Looking back, it's a telling, terrible, awful thing because Robert Kennedy. It's so strange because this movie came out in May of 68, what, and Robert Kennedy was assassinated in June of 68. Ju- yeah. Right it, here in L.A. at the, the yeah. former Ambassador Hotel. It's off-putting scene to me just because knowing the history where this character was based off him. They had no idea. No. And then this happens. And it's the reason why this movie would, like spent a year on drive-ins and grindhouse because... It was really reflective of what was going on. Max doesn't really care. He, he goes, yeah. he'll get caught. Don't worry. Yeah. And then he lays it out and he goes, it was going to be a mandatory retirement at 30 years old. Which I'm, I'm all for. <laughs> well, here it gets better, Jason, because you get five years and then at 35, you're sent to a rehabilitation camp where you're just going to be freaking fed LSD and you're going to be just yeah. caught up. Now that LSD. I don't like. That sounds like Logan's run. Also, I need to get to sanctuary. Well, it also sounds like something else. And especially at that time, you're thinking, again, going Camps. back to that idea, sending you to a rehabilitate. Rehabilit- they made that sound really nice, didn't they? And the only time that at that time period we heard about camps were, of course, the concentration camps during World War II, and then the re-education camps both in communist Russia and in China at the time. So this is not a positive thing. And he keeps saying how the villains of history, they're always old. It's yeah. not the young. And he starts screaming and he says, give me the tools, give me the laws, and give me the power. I can take care of these things. I can take care of everything. That's not a good deal. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. He's seeking all of that. Never trust the person who says, I can figure it all out. His whole f- fixation on age where it's like, at 30, you're going to go retire. and 35, you're going to these camps. Which shows so little self-reflection. And maybe maybe that was why it never really bothered me. Because you're going to be that guy. Yeah. He's Age 24. comes for everyone. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like, he was like, started at 22. And then the, yeah. I think he's 24 yeah. when it ends. You know 40 is on your path. 30, you can't stop 30 time. Is on your, What's going to happen when you're 29 and you go, oh boy, forced retirement in yeah. one year. Yeah, I'm going to have to run from the Sandman at that time. Yeah, and so there's the whole roundup montage. Yeah, You get these groups, they're these squads that are, again, dressed they're, like Gestapo. Yeah, they're secret black, police. Yep, it, running around catching people. And they find the Fergus family, and they're just out somewhere subsistence farming, it looks like. I felt bad for them. Oh, God, I felt bad. And even worse, Jimmy, their son, was part of the, the, the group. group. Yeah, yeah, they round up. And you mentioned up. V. Very similar. Yes. We're like... <laughs> that one what, teenage what, son became in love with the visitors. And that, I mean, it goes back to, again, the Nazis in World yeah. War II, where it's like, hey, join up, and you have the Hitler Youth. You might snitch on the neighbors. You'd snitch on your own parents if you're going, hey, they help these people. The, the U.S. is abandoned all overseas operations to the delight of most. It yeah. says he's planning on building the most hedonistic society ever. I mean, this is the dark part of this movie because... 
you get a montage of the camp and you see the Fergus family family and you see Miss Fergus zonked out out of her mm. brain and you see her husband in the background Johnny Fergus hung and I don't know if he hung himself or they hung him oh I think 100% he hung himself yeah it's very much like Brave New World and Hal Holbrook has a face oh like, it's it breaks you at that point you go from like laughing going like well this is weird and kind of serious so that's it's a horrifying moment he's disbanding the military Disbanding the CIA, disbanding the FBI, giving basically grains to oversee poor countries. He's noting that he's like, listen, if the older people want to escape to Mexico or Canada or Cuba, that's fine. But the revolution will come for them. This the revolution funny. comes in Russia. The teen revolution comes. So there's nothing stopping this. This movie ends like this is what is to come. And the ending scene, he's driving. There's no need for protection. He has no... CIA, there's no FBI, he doesn't have presidential protection, protection duty, and he's just driving his car, and he drives off into the forest, and he's walking around, and he's playing like a child. Ends up walking to this small lake, pretending he's playing a spy, and he's rolling around, very childlike behavior. And then he sees that there's a, a little fishing line, and he pulls up, and it's a crawdad. And he pulls up the crawdad, and he looks at it, throws it down the ground, and he steps his foot on it. And not just once, multiple times. And you have three kids run up and they're like, why did you do that? That was our pet. Not just our pet. Our pet, Welliger. <laughs> got to be an inside joke there. There's got to be something. <laughs> Someone who's like, damn it, I knew Zarkov was going to use my name in I, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, he looks at the kids. He bullies them. He does. This is truly who he is. He is a bully. And he says, what are you going to do about it? And he just walks away. You the, you ain't big enough to beat me up, are you? And he walks away. The camera comes to the, the kid. And he's basically, he's like, who's probably 10. He's like, we're going to put everybody over 10 out of business. So it's just this absurd thing. Like, we lowered the voting age to 14. Now we're going to lower it to 10. It's going to be the 10-year-olds who are going to run everything. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. It doesn't end with him being toppled. It ends with him succeeding. And I think that's why when they made this, there's this story that you could read online where they gave it to a um, folk musician at the time. Like, hey, we, we want you to play the Max Frost role. And that person read it and they're like, uh, I don't think so. This portrays the counterculture movement in a way that I don't think they want to be portrayed. You're basically saying not only are they worse than what we have now, they're the Nazis. Yeah. In a way, that's what this movie is because it is, you can't watch this. I, I don't want to belabor the point, but at that time, there's no way you could watch this and like be of a certain age and go, that's not Germany. And even now, yeah. it's easier for us. We have this distance from all of this stuff. Our wars weren't, haven't been as yeah. crazy as that. There wasn't that impact. You're basically saying uh, the free love movement is if they got power, they'd turn into Nazis. Yeah. They, Nobody wants to turn into Nazis, exactly. except Nazis. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I picked this movie. I have this movie on DVD. I actually have this. It's I think it's called Midnight Matinee. It has this and Gas. I, <laughs> Roger I, Corman presents. I found it at the library. Okay, excellent. In the Santa Monica Public Library. Would you recommend this movie? I would. It's an interesting movie. Most of the songs are pretty catchy. They're fun. Sometimes a little heavy-handed. There are a couple problems, you know, with race and sexism. 
this is a cool movie. The editing, the whole idea of it being nominated for an Oscar, I go, it's very like the 60s editing. You go, you know, yeah, I get it. This is a fun movie. This, it's interesting. I don't know if they thought it was as deep as I think. I think there are some things I look at and I kept picking up and I go, wow, it's not even so much satire. This is a dark movie. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like this movie. I don't think they intended this to be a deep movie. I think they just had a bunch of points that crossed at the same time where they made a nexus where like, even though cheap movie, 15-day shooting schedule, they made a movie that was really kind of reflective, profound for its time period. Even though I don't think they intend, I think they intend to make this movie and sell it at drive-ins to get teens to come in there and just spend money. But there is something to it. And I think exactly what you said, if you're a student of history and want to look back at what the 60s, I think this movie is a, a nice reflective point to look at. I was not familiar with this movie. And with its timing and everything going on, it surprises me that it wasn't a bigger movie because I feel like it should be more well-known, yeah. especially with, with some of its prescient, you know, Robert Kennedy. Or maybe that was it, was that it wasn't as big, it wasn't as remembered because... It reminds you of a horrible thing that happened and some something you don't want to remember. Roger Ebert reviewed this movie when it came out. He was a young man at this time. Oh, and you can go back, you could read the review on his website. And he pointed out there was another movie that was very similar to this that came out in England at the same time. But he said this movie, they made it for the audience. This was a teen movie. And he goes, even though it's not as good as the British movie, you could see why people want to watch this movie instead. But yeah, it did, did not win, but got nominated for Best Editing. And the cinematographer who did this, I think he did um, Myra Breckenbridge. Okay. Another, and then he did... Uh, well, show Yeah, up. exactly. And, and then I think his last movie he made was like the Annie from with um, 1982. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was in Network. Like, hold on. No, no, it pissed me <laughs> off because... No. I was all of a sudden, I'm, I'm driving a big blank. He played Daddy Warbucks, and I'm thinking like... I really like that he actor. Just, no, he was in Miller's Crossing. It's one yeah. of my favorite oh, movies. What is his name? I'm going to punch myself right in the face when I oh, see this. Oh, it's um, Albert Finney. God, ah, damn, God it, damn it, <laughs> How about Celador, Confuzzled? Oh, out of the park. Cheers, Cheers on that, bud. Thank you, guys. Confuzzled, Wild Ale, Mango, Guava, Pineapple. I'll take those fruits any day of the week. When you can manage to put them into a delicious beer... Hell yeah. Hats off to you. I'll walk across a football field of broken glass for a bit of this. Not really. And I like a natural condition with honey. Impactful. What's great is it's that local orange blossom. Yeah. This is where people are taking beer as art. Absolutely. I, I hope that doesn't sound cheesy because I mean that sincerely. This is a gift. So when you go to the brewery, there's just a whole bunch of stuff and you're, I'm looking at it going, how much money do I have to spend you know and it's never enough thank you guys so much Celador hope we did you proud I, I think I paired it with a nice movie I think you did so I think that about wraps this one up I, I agree please like subscribe and comment wherever you listen follow us on Instagram Facebook and Twitter and check out our website this is Beer and Be Movies I'm Jason and I'm Michael